today on a very special Chasing the Word. He didn't just kind of throw a little spark out across the universe and say, okay, you're pregnant now. He's saying, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And with that kind of intimacy in his presence is something that is promised all through the scriptures. We are described as the bride of Christ like Mary is described in this passage. I believe, honey, I really do believe this, that our experience of God, being with Him, communing with Him, is something He intends for us to experience in ways that Mary experienced. Hello, and welcome to Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Today, Bram and his wife Sandy continue with a four-part series on Advent, with part two of a study that takes a biblical look at what this very special season means to you and I as believers. Here's Bram and Sandy to get things started. Honey, welcome back to our Advent series together. I love Advent, and I'm excited about this whole series. It's something that we're doing that's new. Yeah. How appropriate, because Advent means anew. The Advent is preparing ourselves for what God is going to reveal. We're excited to follow this mm-hmm. path, along with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other Christians mm-hmm. around the world who celebrate the Advent season. I didn't grow up with Advent traditions in my home. When I discovered them as a young adult, it was exciting to me. Not that we didn't have Christmas traditions in our home. We certainly did. But we didn't have this richness, as far as I can remember, this richness of tradition and following the scripture through when Christ was announced, when his birth was announced, up to the actual birth of Christ. So this to me is very exciting. And it is for me too. We ended last week with the promise of salvation, and we talked about the prophecies in the Old Testament. This week's theme is the path of obedience. Mm. If you have your Bible with you, turn with us now to Luke 1. Since, as it is well known, many have undertaken to compile an orderly account of the things which have been fulfilled among us by God, exactly as they were handed down to us by those with personal experience who from the beginning of Christ's ministry were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, that is, of the teaching concerning salvation through faith in Christ. It seemed fitting for me as well, and so I have decided, after having carefully researched and investigated all the events accurately, from the very beginning of the story, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught, that is, the history and the doctrine of this faith. Big preamble to Mm -hmm. the book of Luke, and I want to just hang on that for one second, because this is a book written to be as accurate as possible to the eyewitness accounts of everything that happened in Jesus' life. Mm -hmm. That's important. We don't know if Theophilus is an actual name of a real person, is a metaphor for all believers, or is a person using a pseudonym. We don't know. But Luke has made the effort, like he did in the book of Acts, the other book we're studying right now in our series, of making an accurate account as best he can. Mm -hmm. He is the world's first Christian journalist. He's an investigative journalist. And, And that indeed. So he's investigating the roots of this faith he knows very well by now. I love that Luke has gone into such great depth of research to to find all this out. He's given us the compilation of many interviews, it seems like. It feels like he's gone and actually talked with these people whom he is telling their stories or people that knew them if they're no longer alive. For me, this is exciting. I love historical fiction. I know this is not fiction, but it is very historical and it gives us a great picture of 
the life that was being lived during the time of all of these events. And the book of John, of course, is all about what was it like to be with Jesus as an adult Mm -hmm. doing his ministry. This is about what it's like to be with all the people who experienced Jesus from the time he was an infant all the way until his crucifixion and resurrection. Luke takes us into the family's account, and we get little hints about what it's like to grow up with Jesus. But we're focused today on that section of chapter 1. Jump ahead to verse 26, where the story of Jesus begins. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, an angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said, and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen carefully. You will conceive in your womb and bring birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Mm. Hold there. She's fully expecting to be a wife and a mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's not an unusual statement. The statement comes from a very unusual place. Right. We need to consider this. Why was it perplexing and bizarre for Mary to be receiving a greeting, you're most favored by God, from an angel? She's a young girl. We all know that she's probably a teenager. Perhaps she's a very open, spiritual person already. Maybe she prays very openly and expects God to hear her. I don't know what her history is. We just know that in this moment, she says she was perplexed. It's an interesting word. Mm, mm -hmm. Why not terrified? (laughs) Why not anxious? Why not suspicious? Why not overly naive? Oh, great. An angel showed up. Mm. There's something about this word perplex, which I think is very fascinating. It means that she's thinking deeply already about this. Right. Maybe there's confusion. Maybe there's inner turmoil. If I was perplexed by something, I'd be thinking, hmm, that really happened. Why? Mm-hmm. If I think of myself being perplexed about something, I think I hold in, in both my hands two equally true statements. One, this shouldn't be happening, and yet it, it is. is. So I see in Mary an openness to the things of God. What do you see? Well, I would agree with that. In the translation that I was reading from, it says, the heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary. Mm. There is a consideration of, wow, this is really happening, but why to me is this Mm. happening? Why would this heavenly messenger say that I was highly favored? The Lord is with you. Among all women on earth, you are blessed. I think, well, I'm just an ordinary girl. I'm just ordinary in in the sense that my father is known for this. My family lives here in Nazareth. I'm engaged to be married. I'm just an ordinary girl living my life. Why is this happening to me? Or I can't believe this is happening yet. Here it is. And she's in this moment, of course, perplexed about the greeting, not about the message, right. about the greeting. Because that first statement is something that's very normal. You're going to have a son. Okay. And she's hearing it from an angel, so it must be true. But what would be the point of just saying, I'm going to be a mother like every other mother? Mm-hmm. And now Gabriel goes on to fulfill the rest of the message that God has for her. Mm. Continuing in verse 32, the angel says, Jesus will become the greatest among men. He will be known as the son of the highest God, and God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. Hmm. So he's describing who your son is going to be. And his first description is royalty, Mm -hmm. that he has ultimate authority. And of course, there is no higher king in the minds and hearts of Israel at this point than David. 
as great as other kings may have been, even Solomon, something about David has always been at the very heart of the people of Israel. Mm. Mary responds to him and says, But I have never been with a man. How is this possible? The messenger says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. That's why this holy child will be known as not just your son, but also the Son of God. Mm. Overshadowed. Every time I think about that term, it seems like a dark cloud. Right. And yet there's something about the presence of the Most High where if you're in His shadow, it's a glorious thing. Mm. Now, you and I have talked on previous programs about when the Spirit of God has shown up in miraculous ways that we've had opportunity, a blessing to be part of. We weren't pursuing these things, but yet God decided to show up in places where He was preparing people for ministry. And we... We've described it as the fragrance of the Holy Spirit, a kind of a, a warm blanket, a powerful presence that just kind of weighs on the room in a way really hard to describe. Mm-hmm. But you and I have been in places where that has happened. I think about that being what the angel is talking about here. The overshadowing is like literally the descending of God's weight mm-hmm. into the room. Yeah, The overshadowing in that regard is shelter from any other thing. Mm. It's not a negative. I wish we had a better term that bears witness to the loftiness, the power, the joy that's Mm -hmm. contained within that experience. It's not just a dark cloud hovering over the room. It seems to me that Mary is already in a time of meditation when the angel comes to her. She's alone and she's able to ponder these things, Mm -hmm. able to really consider what the angel is saying. She has a choice here, I think. she does. She has a choice how to respond as we all do. We all have a choice when we encounter a message from God in whatever form that takes. The appropriate title that gave me to work on for this section was The Path of Obedience. Mary has to choose. The messenger explains to Mary what is going to happen, how this is going to happen, because she says, I've never even been with a man, so how is this possible? He explains to her the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, and that is a good thing in this instance. And she responds after the explanation Here I am, the Lord's humble servant. As you have said, let it be done to me. She chooses obedience. Having just talked about our experience with this kind of sense of God's presence in a manifested way, and it feeling for us like a a fragrance, a blanket, an experience that was just like so powerful, Mm -hmm. you know what happened. We talk about this overshadowing as if Mary didn't know what was going on, Mm -hmm. as if suddenly, oh, I'm pregnant. How did that happen? Right. I think what we're hearing here is that the Holy Spirit is preparing her for an experience of such close encounter with the Spirit of God that her whole self, her body, would literally be changed in the presence of that. Mm -hmm. The overshadowing, she would know this has happened. She's being warned about it. So when this does happen to you, you won't be afraid of me Right. when it happens. Because God was there. He didn't just kind of throw a little spark out across the universe and say, okay, you're pregnant now. He's saying, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And with that kind of intimacy in his presence is something that is promised all through the scriptures. That in the sense of us being married to Christ as the bride of Christ, which of course men have a hard time getting ourselves emotionally in that spot. Nonetheless, we are described as the bride of Christ like Mary is described in this passage. I believe, honey, I really do believe this, that our experience of God, being with him, communing with him, is something he intends for us to experience in ways that Mary experienced, in the sense that we are now the bride of Christ receiving him, his presence in us, like she received him 
in a way that literally transformed her body to become the womb of deity. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we're not really that far off from Mary if we take it seriously that God wants to indwell us. I know that sounds kind of mystical, but indwelling the Holy Spirit is a mystical idea. It's not just something that's practical. This is truly mysterious. And you've got a great thought to wrap this one up. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, The lack of mystery in our modern life is our downfall and our poverty. So when we consider the virgin birth, when we consider all the angel has presented to Mary, it is a great mystery. And I think it's okay to live in mystery. And it's okay to step out in mystery, and which is the whole point of this passage. Because of this angel's revelation to her, he mapped out for her what was going to come next. She would go to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She would prepare for the birth, and she would listen for the next steps. She wasn't given the whole picture. She mm-hmm. wasn't told everything that Jesus would become. She was not told at that time that he would have to die for the sins of the world. She was given an instruction set she could follow. Mm-hmm. And she had the opportunity to obey in the only thing she could, which was to acknowledge this as a word from God, to accept it, and to submit. And she did that at that moment. That is the beginning of the path of obedience that becomes the whole narrative of the nativity, which is the journey to Bethlehem and everything that came afterward. We'll hang our hats on that thought for today, and that's our scriptural focus for the path of obedience. There's more coming up with our very special look at the season of Advent here on Compassion Radio. Hi, friends. Here's an update on our growth goals. I'll start with a big thank you for how you've stood with us through a very challenging season. Compassion Radio is still the radio voice of the global church, and that's completely due to the Lord's provision through you, our partners in ministry and outreach. As we look forward to 2023, we're looking at some important new partnerships, but there are a couple of important pieces to the puzzle that we have to put together in order to get there. Specifically, I need to ask you about two things and invite you to step up in a new way. The first goal is to grow our vision team by another 200 people. With the thousands that hear this program each day, you'd think it wouldn't be hard to find these folks. But it's also easy to assume someone else will surely take up the challenge. Well, frankly, I can't count on someone else. I need to count on you. Would you take a moment today to seriously consider joining our vision team? It's really simple and will have a major positive impact on what we can accomplish. It means Compassion Radio becomes part of your monthly missional giving. As you budget an amount each month to make sure we can stay on the air and in the field, you make possible the inspiring stories you just won't find anywhere else. It's these stories that inspire others to participate in Kingdom Projects. Our vision team is leading the way in this, so please consider joining them today and making your most generous gift this Christmas season. Thank you, friends. We are so grateful for your partnership. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And you can send your gift by mail to Compassion Radio, Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you, friends.
Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Well, the second part of our time together today, we're going to talk about the actual Advent wreath. We began to talk about that last week, the preparation for it and what it looks like and how to build it. This week, the second week of Advent, we light our second candle and it's the Bethlehem candle or the candle of preparation. We touched on this a little bit in our first segment, talking about Mary and how the angel visited with her and gave her the news that she was going to bear the Savior of the world. We're going to go on to read in Luke her response to this huge announcement. Bram, if you would read for us in Luke 1, starting in verse 46. Gladly. This is called the Magnificat, which is a wonderful word for it. She praises God by saying, My soul magnifies and exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has looked with loving care on the humble state of his maidservant. Behold, from now on, all generations will count me blessed and happy and favored by God. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name to be worshipped in purity, majesty, and glory. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who stand in the great awe of God and fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his powerful arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, just as he promised to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This scripture is quoted over and over this time of year. And for good reason. And for good reason. It's such a beautiful song of praise and adoration of the Lord. I just, I love it. It's beautiful words. And this week we talk about that preparation and that faith walk that Mary began when she was visited by the angel. There are some questions, some discussions that you can have with your family. I'd like to just mention a few of those. There's no wrong or right answer in any of these questions. That's why these we have are discussions. Just, yeah, yeah, these are just your discussions. It says, what do you think Mary was more surprised by, the appearance of the angel or the message of the angel? Mm. I think it's a great question to ask. And of course, our opinions are our opinions. Mm. What I love about sitting around the table and doing these kind of exercises, different perspective really enrich our understanding of the word and the story. Mm-hmm. So if you're asking small children, you'll get different answers than mm-hmm. you would maybe with a grandmother. But the point of being able to reach into each person's heart and say, what do you see in this story will bring life to what you understand in new ways. Let me just give you a couple more questions. Would you want an angel to give you a message about something that was about to happen in your life? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, What would you say about that, Bram? 
I would be perplexed. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about that earlier in the program, too. Again, why an angel? Why is it so important that I get a personal messenger? Mm -hmm. I think I would be stuck like Mary is, wondering what kind of message could this be? What's coming next? Mm -hmm. And then finally, share a time when God miraculously showed up in your life to Mm. offer you either physical or emotional provision in a way that you never could have provided. You might need to rephrase that for small children, but just maybe to have them think about a time when they think God did a miracle in their life or God showed up in a way that they didn't expect. A prompt for that might be maybe you remembered the answer to a question on a test at school that you didn't expect to remember. Mm. Maybe someone offered something to you in kindness that you didn't expect. If we begin to look at those things as provision from God or gifts from God. Give him credit where it's due. Exactly. Then we live in gratefulness. These could be small things, could be big things to us. The point is that if it's important enough for your memory to contain that, it's important to God. So as we invite people around the table to share something that they've experienced where they knew God was present, that's a big thing to them. And we need to celebrate that with each other and remember these things. The people of Israel were encouraged time after time to build altars that contained their memories. They were told to literally, in the middle of the Jordan River, gather stones Mm -hmm. from all the tribes and stick it in the river, a place they would never go back again to see. They put stones in that river and let that miracle of the waters being separated like the Red Sea. That altar stood in the middle of that river, covered by waters later. And yet they knew Mm -hmm. that that altar was there. This is our altar this year. The times we spent speaking well of God and listening to his word and sharing with each other is kind of us building our altar ready for Jesus. Mm. And I always think about the manger being an altar. Right. Because God put his offering to mankind in it. So let's just remember the second week of Advent, even though we've heard this story time and time again, let's remind ourselves how utterly spectacular this event really, really was. Not to become so familiar that we lose sight of that. And how spectacular it is when God prepares us for the things he's going to do. We have great revelation in the word right in front of us now that the people that we are reading about did not have. Mm, Exactly. They had vague shadows and old scriptures that may or may not have been very readable to them at the time. And yet something very fresh, very new was on its way. Mm -hmm. And God was good to Mary in sending her a personal messenger saying, what you're about to experience is something that no other human being has ever experienced. And it is my joy to choose you for this. Mm. When God has a great work for us to do, as he did for Mary, he prepares us in such tender ways that we can't help but choose to walk in obedience to him. Mm. And I think that Mary was in that position as difficult as she knew this would be for her. She knew her culture and knew the ramifications of a young pregnant woman who was unmarried. Ah, yeah. She's aware that this is unusual. Right. She chose obedience. In the face of difficult things, we can choose obedience and know that God has our best and his glory planned out before us. And we've each got a Magnificat inside each one of us. I want to hear more of those kind of stories from my family in the years to come about how God showed up and what a wonderful song Mm -hmm. they can sing about that. We'll hear more from Bram and Sandy on the subject of Advent next time on Compassion Radio. If you missed anything today, well, you can listen again anytime. Just open up your browser on your computer or smartphone or even your tablet and go to CompassionRadio.com. 
Again, it's CompassionRadio.com. Now, if you liked what you heard, please consider supporting Compassion Radio. First, with your prayers. You know, when you pray for us, God increases the effectiveness of this ministry by empowering the Compassion Radio team for service and by opening doors of opportunity for us to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And now second, would you please share this broadcast with a friend or a loved one? This is going to help us reach as many people as possible with the important work God is doing in the lives of those who live in a missional way. And really, that's all of us, you and I. Finally, please consider supporting this ministry financially. You can give a one-time gift, a semi-regular gift, or you can become a Compassion Radio Vision Team member. And that means a regular monthly gift for the amount of your choosing. You know, this ministry is 100% listener-supported, and that means it's your gifts that make it possible for us to continue. You can support Compassion Radio right now by calling 800-868-2478 or by visiting CompassionRadio.com. That's 800-868-2478 or CompassionRadio.com. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445. That's the word COMPASSION to 53445. Four four five, And of course, you can always mail your gift to Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. That's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen, spend a little time with us. Be sure to join us again for more Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. This program is sponsored by Compassion Ventures Incorporated and your generous financial support.